It's great to be here today. Um, happy Sunday. I'm glad the rain has finally stopped. Can I get an amen for that too? Amen to that. Yeah, if you've been on the East Coast, you guys online, you probably have seen the same thing. We are glad that maybe this week will bring us some sun too. So we want to celebrate that. Um, so this week, we're in the third week of our series, Grow On. And um, I want to start off by just sharing something I received in the mail last summer. It's a postcard. We'll put it up on the screen for you to see a big version of it. Um, this was a postcard I received in the mail, and nothing says Happy Mother's Day like a picture of Dante's Inferno. Is that correct, right? Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, well, anyway, I got this card in the mail, and if you like read the detail, you see there's like some scriptures, and there's this fiery thing here, and there's like this, you know, crossing over the cross. Well, this, um, on the back of it, though, was an invitation to a church. Um, believe it or not, and saying that, you know, this is something we want to invite you to and be a part of, and I'm like, you know, this is a very welcoming thing, and maybe you've received something like this or have come upon something like this in, in the past, um, and I want to acknowledge that there may be someone who came to Jesus through something like this. I want to write that off as being impossible, um, but I've come across very few people who have come into a meaningful and healthy relationship with God because they received something like this. Uh, there's, there's, but on, to their credit, though, there is something about sharing faith, though, but, but most of the time it makes us super uncomfortable because most of the time we think of those kinds of things. Usually ideas of that come into mind or people going door to door you get the knock, 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 and you're greeted by some missionaries that want to share with you about what they believe, that you, hopes that you would believe it too. Um, I don't know if anybody went to a college or maybe lived in a place that there was the bullhorn guy. Anybody? You had the bullhorn guy maybe on a college campus or a street corner or uh, down in the city, and you had the, they had maybe had the sandwich board around their, their uh, necks there saying, you know, repent, repent, and they're yelling all these things at the people walking. I remember uh, there was a guy at our school uh, called the pit preacher. There was this room or this area on campus that was called the pit that a lot of students would gather in. It kind of was descending. There were some trees in the middle, and he would stand there, and then Again, these arguments with these students about stuff. And a lot of times that's what comes to mind when we think of what it means to share our faith, right? And admittedly, people who seem to want to take their faith into public seem weird <laughs> and bizarre and, and maybe overzealous and something that most of us just want to stay away from. I'm included in that. But the thing is, there came a point in Jesus' ministry that he tells those following him to take their faith public, to go from being a private thing to being a public thing. And the way he does that, though, is by sending them on mission, is by sending them out, taking that private inward faith to becoming an outward public faith, mainly the turning point being for the sake and the benefit of others. If, if you want to grow in your faith, then the main transition point here is to, to end that kind of me-centric, that, hey, my faith is about me and my preferences and what I want and what Jesus can do for me, to turning outward, to it being no longer about what I want and what, is, what I need and what Jesus should do for me, to how can I begin looking and serving other people around me? And so... And this kind of transition from being a private inward thing to a public outward thing, um, I think 
just to admit, I think this is kind of the point in our faith that a lot of us become very uncomfortable, myself included. That the word evangelism has really become a bad word in many contexts. Or you see evangelists on TV or those evangelicals that, you know, a lot of people are watching. Um, but, but there's a, something important here to recognize is that, that there is an importance, though, of us not staying, hey, together, buddy-buddy with ourselves. But there's an important piece of going out. And so in the past few weeks, we looked at this turning point in the scriptures, specifically Luke's gospel, a turning point for Jesus and for those following him as he was getting prepared to head to the cross and then the resurrection and then eventually where he would leave them bodily for good and that he would say, tag, you're it, that we celebrate at his ascension. And then he would go on and he would basically, all the, the disciples would gather in an upper room on Pentecost and at that moment be anointed with the Holy Spirit and sent out. But it backs up to this point in Luke's gospel when the, the people following Jesus move from receiving, receiving what they can get from Jesus to serving, from receiving to serving, to growing up and growing on onward in their faith and their following. And last week we looked at how Jesus challenged people. He challenged the commitment of those who followed him. We talked about this thing called excuses, right? And we kind of likened it to being in a tank. You know, it keeps us safe, but it also keeps us from being out into the ocean. Uh, And so this week, though, we're going to read about the mission proper that Jesus begins for the first time to send his followers on. And we're going to revisit a scripture that we mentioned in the first week but didn't spend a lot of time on. And we're going to look at what is it? What is it that Jesus actually tells his followers to do? You know, does he tell, hey, you need to send these things? What does he actually tell followers to do? But how does that also inform what it looks like to take our faith public? So I want you to join me in Luke chapter 10, starting in verses 1 through 2. Um, this is also listed in your, your uh, programs there, your worship guides. It's also found online for you guys joining us online on our website. Um, and so Luke tells us, he starts out by saying, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? Few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So let's pause here, because starting with this number at the beginning of this scripture, it says 72. Some other translations say 70. There's kind of a, but it's around 70. Um, So starting with 70, the number 70 is a very, very symbolic thing in scripture. So if we go all the way back, back to the beginning, back to the very beginning, uh, not the very, very beginning, but towards the beginning in the story of Genesis, we see that there's a story of this guy named Noah who builds what? An ark, an ark. It's a lovely children's story because, you know, God basically condemns all of humanity to death and basically people are clinging to rocks as the waters are flying, you know, or the waters are rising and we tell it to children for bedtime, right? It's a lovely, lovely thing. And at the end, everybody dies except for Noah and his family. You know, it's a really great story. But, but get this, at the end of the story, when Noah and his family get off the ark, Genesis chapter 10 mentions that all, he has all these kids, He has these kids, and these kids have kids, and each one 
Each one starts their own kingdom. They go into the land and they start their own kingdom. And how many were there? Seventy. Seventy. Seventy was the number meant to encompass everything. It was the number of nations to be in the new creation. That when God would start new, 70 would encompass that number of the new creation. So it's very interesting here. Jesus sends 70 out. 70 out. Think about what he's doing. 70 out. Symbolizing sending into every nation, every spot in the world, this sense of completeness and wholeness. See, Jesus, Jesus sends not postcards, but people. He doesn't send postcards. He sends people out everywhere. There's no place that Jesus did not intend to go, is what the scripture is saying. Think about that. Think about that. Some of us keep Jesus in certain areas of our, our life, and we've talked about this before, but this kind of sacred-secular divide, we kind of have our religious life, our church life, and then the rest of life, but it's all his. He's everywhere. He's a part of all of it. In the song we sang this morning about Jesus being with us in the churches, but also in the bars, and also on the streets, here it says Jesus wants to go everywhere, wherever you find yourself. See, Jesus intends to go there, but he also intends to send you there first. He sends you there first. But how many times do we tend to silo off life and keep Jesus in kind of the safe places? But then there's this kind of harvest metaphor, the harvest metaphor that Jesus is alluding to. That harvest is the symbol of the end times. So, not this, by the way, but the end times, basically the completion of all of God's work, his promise of restoration, the harvest. It was a very familiar metaphor to a lot of the Jewish people at the time. But it's also meant to denote the urgency, the urgency that when there's a harvest, there's both a need, you gotta go and you gotta to, to take it up, you gotta reap it, but there's also an opportunity it's an opportunity to do something. There's an urgency of need and opportunity. And when things are ready, when things are ready, you have to harvest fast. You know, and you know this if you've ever had a vegetable garden or you've ever even had tomatoes growing, right? If you leave them too long, what happens? The bugs get them, the animals get them. You find out, hey, there's all kinds of yucky stuff there. You gotta do it fast. So that's what, that's what Jesus is kind of getting to here. He says the harvest is plentiful, but we got to do it fast. There's need and opportunity really everywhere, but the laborers are few. So I think the harvest for us shows us that there's a huge need and opportunity all around us. Do we see it? Wherever you look, there's a need and an opportunity. I want you to think about that. Think about the spheres of influence that you find yourself even right now at this moment. Ones you want to be in, others that you don't want to be in. Or your neighborhood, at work, the people you're hanging out with, doctor's visits, believe it or not. Right now, you know, what are the places that there is a need and opportunity? And you and I know that this is true, is that we tend to assume everybody's okay, but they're not okay. We tend to assume everybody's happy and doing well, but they're all just doing some fake in it. We do the same thing, right? We fake it, we're really, really good at that. We want to act like we have our lives together. Even just this week on the news, there was a third college athlete who had um, taken their own life. 
And everyone had said that she was doing wonderfully. You know, she was balancing things. She was a star student. What happened, right? We look great on the outside, but we could be crumbling inside. But there's this huge need and opportunity all around us to share love and forgiveness with people. To share, hey, you know what? There's a God in your life. Um, uh, there was a, a coworker of mine um, when I was working at the University of Maryland who um, she really just saw herself like, basically he's like a missionary wherever she went. She wasn't like, hey, you know, if you died today, you know, do you know where you would go? No, no, no. She was that way, the way she lived. And people kind of knew it by how she conducted herself. And she was really, really good at noticing. She was really, really good at noticing when somebody was just a little bit off, when there was just something, like they acted smiley and all, but something wasn't going well. But so, and she was really, really good at just going up to somebody and saying, hey, you know what, do you want to go out to dinner tomorrow night? Can I take you for coffee after work? You know, uh, and she was just there to listen, to be there, to place herself as a, as a safe person that she knew and sensed that someone was not okay, but she did something about it. And there's people right, in, right now, right now, maybe even sitting in this room that are feeling alone, are hurting, are experiencing something painful. And if we can see it, the harvest is plentiful. People have a need for hope, for what God is offering. You know, even if you're an extrovert, even if you're an introvert, even if you're an introvert and it's like, oh, I don't like, you know, the, the idea of, of one, one person, you know, one person can make a difference. But the people, the number of people who actually take people up on that offer, the, that put themselves out there, that go not just to say, okay, I sense that something's going on in this person, but actually go and reach out and risk it, the people, the number of people who do anything about it are usually very few. See, Jesus then goes on in the story, though, so Luke 10.3, he says, Now go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. How encouraging, right? Isn't that a wonderful way to recognize what we should be feeling? But there's no way to read that and not recognize that there's an enormous amount of risk. We do put ourselves at risk. It, it's dangerous when we begin to see the sacred and secular kind of blending together, when we see ourselves as, as being like these ambassadors. See, Jesus isn't kind of the greatest PR guy in this sense, right? You would kind of word it a little bit differently than being like, you know, standing out like lambs among wolves. Uh, and we want to hide that part. But I think that means that we're supposed to see faith, though, as an adventure. See faith as an adventure. Some of us have been in church so long that faith is no longer an adventure. It's just a to-do list. It's to get through this next thing or conduct this next business and kind of keep things rolling. And we need to do that. Like there's some maintenance pieces here. But what would it look like to see your faith, your following Jesus as an adventure again? As something that's making a difference in the world and, and those around you. See, it, there's an element of risk and adventure that's supposed to be a part of following Jesus that we can't wait to see what God is going to do. So I want to ask you, when was the last time your faith had any risk or adventure in it? What could that look like? Or maybe your faith caused you to take a risk or to do something exciting. It's interesting to realize how safe we do stay. 
And in the coming weeks and months, we're gonna share some opportunities. I invite you at the end of the month on the 22nd, we're gonna have a State of the Church meeting on Sunday night here. Um, it's gonna be a celebration of what God's done in the last, in the last year, but also a looking ahead. And there's, I want to share with you a very exciting opportunity that we're going to be planting a dinner church in a nearby community to connect with people that church is just not their thing, but also to meet a physical need. And we have a team of people working on that. We're going to extend that invitation out. Maybe that's a little bit of adventure for you to say, I'm going to try something new and put myself out there and see what God might doing. So stay tuned on that. But what was the last time that your faith was an adventure? Jesus goes on, though. So after he says, I'm sending out like lambs among wolves, he also says, though, but don't take your weapons with you. Don't take any kind of preparations. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals, and don't greet anyone on the road. You know why he said this? Because you have everything you need. You have everything you need. He says, don't worry about taking stuff with you. Don't worry about getting ready to defend yourself. See, we have a tendency to think that in order to connect with someone, in order to share our faith, we have a tendency to think we need something, that we should know everything about the Bible, we should have training and education, we should have gone to Bible college or seminary. We have to have all these things that we have to know in our heads before we're able to impact someone else. And just say, oh, I'm not ready yet. I can't do that. I don't know enough. That tends to be the biggest thing that we, that we say. But Jesus is saying here, no, you're the equipment. You are the equipment. And you know what the equi most important equipment is? You and your story. It's not a matter of knowing everything and being able to quote scriptures off the, the, out of the, the back of your head. Um, in old church language, your story has a name, and some of you guys might know it. Your story is called what? A testimony. A testimony, your story. And the thing is, you, you have a significant story to tell that can uniquely connect with someone. And I believe someone that God has placed in your life at this time. Maybe it's a story, your story is one of divorce. It's a story to tell. Maybe your story includes a vocational transition. You went from one career to another. Maybe your story involves having a difficult child. Maybe your story involves addiction and recovery. Maybe your story involves abuse. Maybe the, your story involves real, a realization that success and money are not everything in life. Maybe your story involves being a stay-at-home parent who has been seeking meaning and purpose. But wherever you are, whatever it is, you have a story to tell. You have a story to tell. And the thing is, you can tell it in a way that I can't. You know, Pastor Chris is no way to connect with every single person that's in this community and beyond. There's, my story is different than yours because God's done something unique in your life. And just let me make a side note here. Sometimes we think that that has to be a dramatic story to be like, okay, well, I was doing these awful things before and then I met Jesus and now I'm a changed person. And believe it or not, in this room, we have people that have those stories and I want to celebrate that because that's an amazing thing. But we also have people that maybe there was not a dramatic difference, or maybe there was not something that, that very painful and hurtful or harmful that happened in your life. But there's still a story there. There's still a way that you can connect to say, hey, you know what, I was searching, or I was hopeless, or I was investing or trying to find life in all these other things. But yet God did something and showed me that there was hope. 
and he changed me from the inside out. See, Jesus is saying, what you need, what you need in order to impact someone else is what you already have. It's what God has already done. Just share it. Just share it. And then he goes on and says, well, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Jesus is saying, when you get there, just share peace. Share peace. As you're sent, share peace. It's not a matter of having all these scriptures together and sharing, you know, I believe this and that. But in Hebrew, the word is shalom. Shalom. And and it has this huge meaning of completeness and wholeness. See, that's what Jesus brings. We declare wholeness or completeness to people. Hey, you feel like there's something missing? Well, God brings that. It's the purpose of engaging others is to bring kind of completeness to life. It's not starting with, hey, this is what's wrong with you. This is what's going on. This is how I'm going to fix it. This is, you know, that. But it's about starting with, hey, this is what can make us all whole. That's what Jesus wants. See, all of us, all of us here, this room, online, out in the community, we all have broken pieces. We're all broken in our own ways, in different ways. Something that's broken is something that's not as it should be. Jesus is saying, He brings wholeness and completeness. Just share that. Share that. There may be someone in a bad situation or maybe just just needs some good news in their life. See, people may not be in a difficult time, but yet maybe there's not a sense of completeness or worth in their lives. And maybe that's you. Maybe everything on the surface seems to be going okay, but there's something that's, that's missing. See, Jesus is saying, what I want to offer is completeness, a sense of wholeness, a sense of meaning to you. And then he says, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So when you're sent, remember that sharing Jesus includes both action and speech. You suppose actions and speech. He says, first, your actions heal, bring healing. And I don't think we talk about this enough in church. But there's a sense that we're called to be a people of healing. And I don't mean by, hey, we just lay hands on people and poof, they become miraculously better or all their ailments disappear. I believe that that occurs and that happens. But there's other senses of healing that are just as important. You've seen this in your own relationships, in your own struggles, Jesus is saying, heal, address something that's needed, but then say something. Tell them the kingdom of God is near, that God is there. He's closer than maybe you had even imagined before. And of course, we as, as Christians, we break up into different camps on this. One of us lean in one direction, maybe more than the other. Um, some of us, you know, don't talk about our faith or that we follow Jesus. We're just nice people and we show it. Um, there's a St. Francis quote that's, been, that's gone around for many years that says, always preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. Well, I have some, uh, to break you some news. Um, that's actually wrong. <laughs> um, it's never attributed to St. Francis at all. And, and it actually goes against what Jesus is saying. It's like saying, feed the hungry, but if necessary, use food. Makes no sense. Francis never said it. And parents know, 
Any parents in this room that, have, that maybe have small children or have had small children, maybe babysat for small children? You know that sometimes like an infant, when they're getting ready to talk, they use the grunts, right? It's like, like they want, and what do parents, what parents usually say? Use words. Stop grunting. Just say it. Just use words. Motions only go so far. Use your words. And here's the thing, though. It's not a manufactured speech. It's when Jesus is actively shaping and forming our lives, talking about him with others becomes a part of us. It doesn't become a religious sales pitch. And please, heaven forbid, never let it become a religious sales pitch. And just because we've seen it done poorly doesn't mean that we abandon the talking piece. Remember, it's your story. It's your story about the change that's occurred or what you've experienced through Christ. But on the other side, there's a lot of people, and, and maybe you know some of them, but um, that, that the talk is a big part, but the action is very, very few. They talk a lot about their faith, about Jesus, and there's very, very little action. Um, in our uh, staff meeting, we were sitting around the other week and kind of talking about this spiritual growth part and some of the messages and we're, uh, kind of how we're personally challenged. And um, Pastor Jeff, um, wherever he is, um, he was sharing an Amy Grant song. Y'all can look this up. We're not going to play this, but it's called Fat Baby. Um, and it's very, it's kind of funny. There's like some dancing along with it too, if you look at like the video on YouTube. But um, this song, Fat Baby, that basically talks about this guy that is fluent in Christianese, recites Bible verses, attends 15 Bible studies, is high and holy, he prays, he has a big fat Bible. When it comes to action, he misses passion for justice. He never gets his hands dirty. He never serves or sacrifices and he never grows. He's stuck as a fat baby. Very interesting. Anyway, go ahead and look that up. But, um, but anyway, sometimes we get caught in that place too. And, and we, what we see on TV often recognizes this. Maybe you have friends that are like, I want nothing to do with church or Christians because of what I've seen and how I've seen people. Basically, their actions are disconnected from what they're saying. See, Jesus made it clear, don't be a jerk. <laughs> Don't be a jerk, it, but we need to use words and actions, and that's the thing, to be the postcard, to be the postcard, to see ourselves simply as people who are sent. But then he kind of finishes this story, this section, Luke tells us, but when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Well, what I think stops us a lot of times is that fear of rejection, right? It's a fear of rejection. It's saying, well, if I say something, well, it kind of gets awkward. What does Jesus say? He says, if you're rejected, don't worry. Just let it go. It's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. It's not in your hands. This is in God's hands. Let it go. Let it roll off your back. If somebody's like, hey, you know, I'm not really interested, okay, great, fine. Like, don't dismiss the relationship. Don't say, okay, well, I'm moving on to the next person. Like, you know, that's basically, that's, that, that's not what Jesus is calling us to do. He's saying, let it roll off your back. Let it go. Even so, the kingdom of God is near. Jesus, God still loves that person. Listen to them. Listen to their story for a chance. Maybe you need to apologize 
Maybe you need to apologize, believe it or not, on behalf of the church because they've been harmed by Christians. They've been harmed by the church. See, this is the story that, that, and the mission that Jesus sent his followers on. And, and I want you to think today, you know, what could it look like to take on this mission? The words, but also the actions. You know, what does it mean to, to live as if the kingdom of God is near? Well, three things quickly come to mind. First, it's about engaging invitation, not conversion. Jesus isn't asking us to explain doctrine or to convince anyone, but to invite people to check it out. Invite. Think for yourself. Maybe the reason why you're here today is because someone invited you. Think of the invitations that have had an impact in your own story. It's interesting, discipleship and evangelism in the church, you know, the, the idea of a lifelong task of becoming more and more like Christ for the sake of others, that's what we call discipleship and evangelism, the sharing of Christ. A lot of times we keep them separate, but they're actually together. They're actually combined it's a means of embodying Jesus' message. Um, author Alan Hirsch, he calls it discipleism. We should be doing those things together. And did you know that it's actually possible to follow Jesus even before you believe in Jesus? It's possible. That's what most of the disciples found themselves. They were following before they believe. It's about engaging invitation, not conversion. But also, it's intended to always be relational. This isn't a transaction. This is about being relational. And what does Jesus use as examples? Go and eat with people. Go to people's houses. Go to your, make friends. Don't go to strangers and stand on the corner with a bullhorn in your hand. But go wherever you are. But also the last thing is where there's no risk, there's no reward. And I think this connects to this idea of adventure. Relationship is a risk, any relationship. It's a risk to see someone acting sad and going out and saying, I, I want to invite you over for coffee. It's a risk to say to a friend, hey, I know you're not a church person. I know you're not a religious person, but hey, why don't you join us at this event that we're having? You know, come meet some people. Maybe there's someone lonely that you know that's at work to say, hey, you know what? Why don't you come and join me? Sit with me. Like, I'm not going to leave you stranded there. Like, come and sit with me. If we keep our faith to ourselves, you know what happens? Nothing, nothing. People who see you and how meaningful your faith is to you, how you love your church, it makes a difference. I remember several years back, um, I uh, usually go to like Starbucks or Panera, it tends to be Starbucks lately to um, write my messages, write work on my sermons. And um, this particular Starbucks that I've been going to, you know, the barista gets to know you and you get to know kind of the regulars in there at that time and that kind of thing. And, um, and it, I think it had been like two years or so, I was in like the same place on the same day around the same time. And um, I got to know the barista there and a little bit about her life and story. And like, so it was like two years in after like once a week, just about once a week being there, um, I said something. She knew I was a pastor. She knew that I was serving at this, this one church. And, um, and she said something to me. She said, how come you've never invited me to your church? And I was like, like literally it was two years. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I, she, and she just like asked it very innocently, like how can you talk about this all the time, about this series you're working on, you ask me questions, you talk about this event, this Easter thing or whatever. How come you never invited me? And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, you're like you're invited. And believe it or not, she showed up the next week and brought her mom. And, um, and I was like, but I thought about that, I was like, oh my gosh, I was so scared to like say something. 
And this person was like waiting for me to invite. We have a tremendous opportunity to go places. And that means remembering that like a postcard, you're sent. You're sent. Today, Jesus challenges us if we want to grow, and we should try taking our faith into the towns we find ourselves, into the villages we visit, into the homes whose tables we share. So think about all the places that God has placed you and the people connected to you, and think about what it might mean to open up your life, to share maybe a bit of your story, and to invite. Because Jesus is in the business of changing lives in cities and towns and the world, but you know what? He doesn't do it without us.